Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, May 25th. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Cliff? Thanks, John. <laughs> How are you? I was trying to think Maybe of something witty. Uh, podcast I have nothing, now, John, by like saying, are we still in a free country? Are we still a free I think, country? I think we're still, we, we still have the right as of today to say what we think. So that's good. Exactly. Which, which leads us into our guest today, because that is our main yeah. topic. Uh, Amanda Marcotte. Amanda, of course, I didn't even Google your like description. I know you're a writer at Salon. Um, what else does one say about you? Liberal um, thinker extraordinaire. Uh, I always thought of you as far to the left of me. And then like we had coffee and I was like, God, we agree on everything. <laughs> which I'm sure it's not everything, but you, you constantly amaze me, which is also why we had you back on the show. Like you're always tweeting stuff and I'm going, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I just, who knows why I thought that, but. I mean, I'm pretty far to the left on policy, but I think a lot of folks think I'm not because I tend to talk very pragmatically about politics. If that Maybe makes any sense. Then. See, I think oh, that matters a lot. And we forget yeah. that, that, it's not always just the policy. I think all of us on this podcast are actually relatively left on policy. The issue is, is that there are people out there that believe in, you know, fairy tales and things about how, how we can get to that policy. And I think we're a little more hard nosed, maybe just my, if we have the good idea, it'll sell itself. (laughs) That worked out with Obamacare originally, right? Exactly. Well, it worked after eight years or 10 years. Well, yeah, it worked when we, when people, Started seeing they needed it, and we actually yeah. started defending it. Sure. Yep. But um, in any case, so I, I guess we can start with oh God, I don't even know where to start with it, but all the crazy election stealing stuff. Um, you know, it's it's we've been talking about it a lot on the show, and then we were on Stephanie Miller's show yesterday, and I've also been trying to sort of explain to people how it plays out because I was doing a lot of writing uh, before the election and then after the election, even because we were still worried about the crazy scenarios with the electoral college and all of that just lunacy because it's very complicated and it's not very clear what the answers are but just on on how basically the way that the republicans could sort of easily steal the election next time is is they've moved responsibility for certification or they are moving from the secretaries of state to the legislature and the state legislatures in the states that they're doing it of course are super republican for certifying the election. And all they have to do is say, they don't even have to say, well, I know this is Georgia and Biden won by 10,000 votes, but I'm going to say Trump won, right? All they have to say is, wow, there's been a lot of polemics around this. There has been a ton of recounts. There's been so many allegations of cheating. And they just make up fraud. I mean, they just say what they did this time. We found 8,000 ballots in a garbage can. You know, like, Right, but, wait, but let me but let me finish though. But they even scarier than that. They don't even have to steal it like that, Cliff. They don't have to make up fraud and say Trump won. All they have to say is we're going to be objective and say we don't know who won. So we're just not going to report our electoral votes to Washington because we don't know who won. And if you get a couple states, key states, to do that, Biden now no longer has two hundred and seventy electoral votes, and neither does the other person running against him. And when that happens, it's kind of convoluted. The election gets thrown to the House and Senate. Senate picks the VP. House picks the president. And if we lose the House next year, which people are thinking, we lose the presidency. That's what scares me. And and Republicans do it by being objective, right? We didn't actually pick Biden or Trump. We just said, we think our state just shouldn't count at all. Yep. 
that's exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. That's, that's why I like her. Yeah, Trump. Trump. Uh, Trump. I think a lot of people continues to get underestimated by a lot of us because he is a moron in many ways. But the one thing he's smart about is figuring out how to cheat the system. Cheating. And he yeah. he laid out the roadmap for how to do that, and that was exactly the strategy he employed. The only thing that happened was that he didn't get to the last step where Democrats weren't going to throw the election to him. <laughs> and, you know, he tried to force it by inciting an insurrection. Well, and also, again, you can see them, and this is what's so maddening, is you can see them reacting in the broad of daylight to the things that failed and, and they're changing them, right? So Raffensperger, you know, who was a very partisan Republican and voted for Trump, by his own admission, still wasn't okay with committing a crime uh, and, and abrogating the Constitution to hand Georgia over to Trump. So we're going to get rid of him. We're, first, we're going to take uh, we're going to take the ability to make that determination out of his hands and out of the hands of any county officials in some of those large Democratic counties in Georgia, and we're going to hand it over to a gerrymandered partisan Republican legislature. But as a failsafe, we're going to have. Um, you know, we're going to have certified lunatic, Representative Jody Heiss. Um, I can only think of when I hear the name Heiss, Lice. I don't know why, but I mean, <laughs> it just rhymes too well. And I don't know. In any case, Jody Heiss, who's a, a complete loon, is who's now Jody running Heiss? for secretary. Oh, okay. I'm sorry? Who, I, was, it, it, I was asking who that Jody was. Jody Heiss is running for secretary of state, is tr- primarying Raffensperger. And Jody Heiss is one of the ones who voted to overturn the election results. So they're building in failsafes so they can put somebody in the secretary of state's office to back them up, but also take it to the state legislature if they need to. And we're we're watching them do this, right? In broad daylight. And and, and like, I don't understand how this isn't just the biggest story everywhere, but it is somehow. And it's one of those things, too, where, like you said, Raffensperger didn't want to commit a crime. So they're going to shift the incentive structures around that, too. Like, the fact of the matter is Raffensperger probably saw what happens to anybody who puts themselves out there for Trump, which is they end up in jail while he walks away scot-free, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And was not going to be that guy for Trump, which is always the wise choice, personally speaking. So they're both going to get Giuliani level, stupid people um, into these roles, but they're also, yeah, they're going to make sure that the fear of jail is not hanging over anyone's head for cheating because it's going to be kicked to the legislature. And I mean, they've also passed laws to strike fear of jail into election officials who do obey the law, which is a little complicated, Hmm. but functionally they have these like criminal penalties and high fines. Hmm. Um, Jonathan Chait wrote about this at New York that are there to either cause honest election officials to quit out of fear of being thrown in jail or to actually engage in voter suppression themselves in an excess of trying to please the very people who could throw them in jail. So they, they've, they've figured out, it's actually kind of remarkable how on every single level Republicans have figured out a way to tweak and cheat the system. Right. 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 And move the barriers that block them from successfully pulling off what they wanted to pull off last time. So they're not in control of the executive branch right now. They can't do the stuff to change things around the Department of Defense like they'd probably like to do. 
you know, Trump was loading it up with his cronies at the end there. And we all were asking, huh, I wonder why he's doing that. And some of us had suspicions as to why right. he was doing that. And we actually spoke about them. Well, so they're changing that around, right? They, they, they move Liz Cheney out of a position. They bring in sycophant Stefanik. You know, I mean, they're doing this everywhere on the federal level. They're doing it on in various states. And I can tell you, everybody, where are you located again? I know, Amanda, aren't you from Texas originally? I am from Texas. I live in Pennsylvania right now. Yeah, I thought I saw you're in Philly. Yeah. Good town, by the way. I went to college there. Um, yeah, but, we had um, fun uh, chasing Giuliani and uh, one of the Trump sons out when they <laughs> were trying to start a incident at the convention center to stop uh, counting. <laughs> oh, that must have been fun. Um, so I, I only brought up Texas because, I mean, I'm, I, I'm sitting here in Ohio. You know what I mean? And we control the, all of the, the larger counties um, where, where the vast majority of the population lives, the counties around, around Cincinnati and Columbus and Cleveland. But they've gerrymandered the state legislature. And I, I just can't explain to people if you don't see it, if you don't either pay attention to it like you guys do or live in a state where they have completely eroded and destroyed um, – you know, the respect for democracy and the rule of law among their grassroots. I mean, we have we have an openly reelected state uh, House speaker in this state who, who's in, been indicted. The last two Republican state House speakers have both been indicted. But the current guy, they reelected him in those circumstances. And what I'm saying, I guess, here is, is that I, I don't believe for a second they don't care about democracy. They say things all the time. They had a they had a, a fetus testify in a, in a, for a heartbeat bill, literally. They had somebody come I in remember that. and they put up, yeah, I mean, that's the level of crazy we're talking about. So if anybody thinks these people who now control our state legislature, um, if Ohio were to come back to being a democratic state and were to vote for Democrats, if anybody thinks for a second that they wouldn't nullify that and hand over the electoral right. votes, you're not paying attention to who these people are. And it's right. just so degraded on the state level, um, democratic culture. I can't explain to people. How bad it is! Our happy, our happy music. So I mean, impressive. Amanda, what do, what do we do about this? And I, I, I raise it just because I feel like sometimes I'm not the negative Nancy, but the dour Nancy on the show, where I'm, I'm kind of like I don't know what to do. I, I am worried that we are heading, and I, I think Cliff agrees, we're heading to a situation 2022, but certainly 2024 with the presidential election that. These guys are going to do something like we just said. They're going to outright steal the election or worse. Maybe the vote is close, like Florida in 2000, where you've got 500 vote difference or something. Right. So all of a sudden they're able to make it somewhat gray, but then they still they still steal it by saying, oh, in other words, the election, we're almost not sure who won. And they just say, no, we won anyway. Right. So something that's even even less vulgar in its own little way, but that they're going to do it, that our side is either has two choices. Our side either rolls over the way we do. Um, Paul Begala told us the other day that Hillary Clinton talks about Democrats having the responsibility gene. <laughs> Isn't it, wasn't it a great concept though, where we always feel like we've got to be the ones to do the right thing, even if it doesn't benefit us because, you know, blah, 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 right. And because of the responsibility gene, Democrats roll over and we either let it happen. We let them steal the country, steal the presidency, or I don't see what other option there is other than violence at that point. And I, I feel like we're being put in this conundrum of, of our, we have a coup d'etat. And I mean, I've always said in any other country, if there were a coup d'etat, I'd say go for it in terms of violence. I'm not going to urge that here. 
but I don't see what options there's going to be for regular people. Either roll over and play dead and let it happen, or we erupt into a literal civil war. I mean, what? Am I too dour on this? No, I mean, you're really not. And and the fact of the matter is they are going to try. Here's the thing that the one thing that I can say to people to give a hope, mm. um, like in 2020, a lot of us were saying this for months, even a year ahead of time. Trump is mm. going to try to steal the election. He's going to declare himself the winner. He's going to claim that Biden stole it from him. We actually right. said it before Biden was the nominee. He's going to claim the Democrat stole it from him. He did exactly everything we said. And luckily enough people listened that there was some tracking of the levers of power he was going to pull and progressive showed up to stop him. Right. Right. So, you know, people like Raffensperger get all the credit. They don't deserve it because at the end of the day, it was a lot of progressives paying attention, making sure that they weren't going to do this. Like, Right. I, you know, I think about again here in Philadelphia, Giuliani and one of the Trump sons showed up um, clearly with the intent to create a Brooks Brothers style riot at the convention right. center to shut down voting, right. vote counting. And they were met in the street with a huge crowd of progressives who were just not going to let it happen. Right. And it didn't happen. They instead retreated and went to the airport and had a press conference there. Um, so there were a lot of little victories like that, that were the result of people paying attention and showing up and doing their part. Is that going to be enough next time? I don't think so. I, you know, because they're trying to find a way to do this legally, right. you know, or a set sort of legally, semi legally. That's what I mean, that where it's of- almost gray in a way, even though we know they're cheating. Yeah. But well, still- that's been the sort of trend, right. In, in Europe now. Whether it's Orban or Duda, or they, they've realized that, that that with mass communication, they need PR and they need to sort of market it like they're legitimate. So they let the other side have some victories. They let the other side win some parliament members or whatever, but never quite enough to do anything. And so you end up with illiberal democracy, which is you sort of have all the trappings where it looks like a democracy, but it really isn't. Yeah, and obviously the smart thing about a strategy like that is it incentivizes the progressive people in office, the people of the Liberal Party, um, to go along, to get along, because they don't want to lose their seat either, right? And we see that with a lot of Democrats in Congress right now. Unfortunately, they value their own personal power over doing the right thing. And so, you know... I, I do think that the dark calculation going on in Joe Manchin's mind is something along the lines of, I don't care if 10 more Democrats get elected to the Senate. I don't want to lose. Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha steaks and burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner, finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, 
Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com. People say puffiness and under-eye bags are the hardest things to get rid of. Till now, introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Genucel is incredibly powerful. Natural serum, they guarantee you'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Listeners see a dramatic improvement in just two weeks. A true Chamonix classic, Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, Genucel uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity with brilliant long-term results. Save big right now on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie, promo code Stephanie at checkout for an extra 10% off. That is lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. You'll also get the amazing Zotique Deep Correcting Serum free when you order the most popular package today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results are your money back. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That is lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That code is Stephanie. <laughs> I mean, do you, think, do you think Mansion isn't going to come around? We keep sort of hoping that Mansion is basically laying the groundwork by saying, "No, no, no, we've got to have bipartisanship. We're not going to get rid of the filibuster," so that things just get so bad over the next year that he finally says, "Okay, I tried." If he now thinks that's can... what he's doing, um, that'd be nice. But he's still getting outplayed by Republicans who are using that strategy to run out the clock. Yeah. Well, we when we had James Carville on, he kind of cryptically alluded to that uh that that uh he, that's what he thought mansion was doing he wouldn't come out and kind of straight forward say it but he made it pretty obvious he was saying that he thought that they were going to give mansion you know the room to sort of do all this i'm trying to be by bars and i'm trying to be and then once you know whether it was the january 6th um commission or voting rights or whatever once they proved that they were going to filibuster even things that should have massive bipartisan support you know then he could give a i'm left with no other options but you know again like so many other but it things, might be too late i'll believe it when, well a it might be too late yeah. Me with anything these days i'll believe it when i see it right <laughs> you know it's like i'm not saying that that james carville may not know something but maybe he's being fed information that ends up not being true i don't know right right um well, and that's assuming that such a strategy is played perfectly and that the Republicans don't have more rabbits to pull out of the hat in terms of delay tactics, which I never bet against. Correct. Right. And right. just more rabbits to pull out of hats in general. Well, and what Bagalo was saying is, uh, I don't mean to be like, it's not dropping names, but we just hit them both on the show. So they were both really helpful. <laughs> but he was saying he feels like we've got four months left to get anything done uh, this yeah. congressional session for the next two years. Partially because everything becomes political after August, so meaning even more political. Even Democrats start to worry, oh, gosh, should I pass that or is it going to hurt my reelection? Things like that, right? The second concern, which we've all been raising, is you know, all it takes is one Democratic senator to drop dead or have a stroke or whatever in the wrong state, right, where the governor ends up appointing a Republican, and we lose our majority. One, one person, that's all it takes, you know, and, you know— we got somebody some put that out there. Did you see that stat, hmm. John or Amanda? No. Like, uh, somebody had that on Twitter. Like, and it was, but it was a reporter. Oh. It wasn't just like some random whatever. Right. And it was like an average of two. Was it 
um, two senators and however many, two or three members of Congress of the House for maybe uh, either either die or become too sick to perform their their um, uh, duties uh, on average every term or two oh, terms there you or something go. like that. So, I mean, it wouldn't be far out. I mean, you know, we've got yeah, a couple senators in there that are that are pushing 90. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing Republicans have weaponized, which is, you know, frankly, Democratic egos, politician egos, which are huge, you know, like they just, all politicians have enormous egos. And so they just cannot hear, you're almost 90, you may die one day. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's just, to throw it out there, I, I would say that, you know, Phil Scott, the the moderate Republican governor, it's hard to even say that because, but it's true of Vermont. Um, you know, he votes, came out and said he voted for Biden. He supported the second impeachment. He voted to strengthen gun laws after um, Parkland. He, you know, he's done a number of things that Republicans don't do. But when you're in the most Democratic state and you want to be elected, but then the the question still would then become, well, neither Bernie Sanders nor nor Pat Leahy are spring chickens. If something happens to one of them, does he appoint a Democrat then, or does he appoint a Republican? Because if he appoints a Republican, who's to say that Republican is going to behave like him? Well, he'll appoint a Republican, and then it doesn't even matter if they're the most moderate Republican in the caucus because they are still going to caucus with the Republicans, and Mitch McConnell becomes the majority leader again. Correct. And we have that situation in Massachusetts. We have that situation in Maryland. You know, there's a a bunch of states where there are are Republican governors in Democratic – in states that would – that virtually always send Democrats to the Senate. So – not trying to get people more worried, but yeah, it's worth I mean, talking about and thinking about. People, people need to be maximally worried. I, I recognize that there's a situation where you can get so worried that you just become nihilistic and defeated, right? right? Um, and I, I hope people don't get there. And I, I would like to point out, like after in January, I wrote a piece pointing out that it was progressive action that stopped the coup. And I would hope I ask people to go read that and kind of bolster mm-hmm. themselves up because it's still going to be a long four years and all these levers they're pulling. If we pay attention, there may be some creative thinking about how to pull back and to push back and to fight back, but mm-hmm. it requires paying attention and it requires, you know, staying on top of this because the system they're trying to manipulate is complicated. So there are fail points that, we could hopefully exploit. Well, I mean, you know, the question would be one thing that we do have going for us is going into any election. You know, Trump certainly used his lame duck time and time <laughs> leading up to it. I mean, we do control the Justice Department right now. And right. that is a, a point of if, if you know, I, I don't I'm not a constitutional scholar. I don't know what they could do if some of these states tried to pull some of this stuff. Right. Um, but. Uh, based on civil rights grounds, other things. Um, obviously. Well, and we hold the presidency, Cliff, thank God. I mean, there's right. at least the aspect of, at least if we're, you know, possession, it's not actually nine-tenths of the law, but it does help, you know, because <laughs> because at least we're the ones sitting there going, no, 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 you haven't really picked who's the winner yet. It helps, but Jesus Christ. No, I mean, having there's no doubt having the presidency, you know, and then because we have the presidency by extension, the Homeland Security Department, the Defense Department, yeah. the, you know, the, the Justice Department, 
these are all important things. And so, uh, you know, yes, there are here and there are some, you know, safety valves, if you want to call them that. But again, who can predict definitively, you know, what can be done? And I mean, the point is, is that there are a lot of states now and there and, you know, the, the, the shame of it is, is that because of 2010, because we got played, you know, and did, and let the Koch brothers stepped in and put a lot of money into winning, you know, states and taking over state legislatures for redistricting because we had, a, you know, we did not have on the lower levels a good 2020. You know, there's just a bunch of, of virtually every key swing state is controlled by the by Republicans in the legislature. Right. There's very few exceptions to that, if any. So, I mean, you know, when you're looking at the Michigans and the Pennsylvanias and the Wisconsin's, we've governors in some of these states, but and you're looking at all those places, Florida, North Carolina, you know, they've got the, you know, Arizona, they've got the legislature, they control in all those places, Georgia, right. Texas, I will, say, on and I on will and on. say this. I mean, when you're talking about the chaos factor, I think we, this conversation is being conducted with the correct understanding that the nominee right now is going to be Donald Trump, but it's going to be a long three and a half years between now and then. Like, Donald Trump, another thing I would focus on is getting Donald Trump out of the picture because he is, he might have the, he might be a necessary factor. He drove up, he was the only reason that they got the margins as close as they did in 2020 because he has this like unbelievable hold over Republican voters that I I will still never understand. Especially marginally. I don't mean to interrupt, but like the key part of that is the marginal voters who are working class whites who actually don't, did not vote in any other elections over the last five, six years, except for when Trump was on the ballot. They didn't show up in the midterms, which is why we won so big. They didn't show up in Virginia and Kentucky where we were able to take a governorship you know, and off here, they show up for Trump because you're right. He has this hold on them. And if he's not on the ballot because he's in prison or whatever else, I mean, let's be honest here. I'm not going to say out loud I wish for bad things, but the man is approaching uh, what? He's in, so how old is he? He's got to be getting somewhere into this mid, late mm. 80s, 70s, whatever. And he does eat like, let's say I did when I was five years old. He's only 74. God, I thought he was older. Well, yeah, yeah it's because he, it's, his body's yeah. probably older. His yes. body's eighty-four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yes. you're right so though. When, yeah. when you factor in the lipids and the, you factor in yeah. the way the man's eaten and the way the man's taking care of himself. So yeah. and, and the rage, which you know, stress, not very good for the system. Um, uh, you know, I'm just saying, like, is he in a, is he incapacitated in some form at that point? Is he in prison? Has he run out of the country? You know, the, there are you know there there and or does he choose not to run because he wants to be the kingmaker? You know, I don't know. But I mean, he but, wants the White House because he tasted what it is like to not have the threat of going to prison over your head, and he liked it. <laughs> well, he may like that too, because then he could try to stay there and never leave, which of course would yeah. be his plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I hate to bet on that, and nobody should. But the thing is, I, it's just mostly a reminder that there's a lot of chaos in the system and sometimes the breaks are not always bad, but it's unfortunate that Democrats are dragging their heels and leaving it us in a situation where democracy depends on <clears throat> things like people's heart attacks or whether Tish James can successfully prosecute Donald Trump and, you know, real chaos stuff, not the will of the people. It is amazing when you think about it that way. 
right? All the things, I mean, even the little things that can go wrong that just, you know, or right, that change history, you know what I mean? In, in pretty incredible ways. I mean, you're right about that. It's not just the will of the people, like somebody, the wrong person dying or having committing a criminal act or, you know, any number of things can well, change like everything. Rassenberger in Georgia, right? He was our secretary of state. Thank God he was a normal guy as secretary of state. Well, he wasn't a normal. No. He actually was terrible about vote suppression, but thankfully no, no, he didn't but I mean, this... break the law. And whether <laughs> yeah. it was based on belief. I'm grading uh, on a curve, Cliff. I know, I know. And I am too. I'm just saying, I don't want to say he was a regular guy, but I yeah, would, yeah, no, I would give him whatever his reasoning was, whether it was because yep. he, he was smart enough to, to, as Amanda said, to fear he'd go to prison or because he, he does actually on some level believe that we should be at least to have the trappings of a democracy. Whatever the reasoning, he didn't go along with you know, the conversations when, when, when Lindsey Graham called him and when Rudy Giuliani pressured him and when Donald Trump called him, he didn't go along with any of that. Neither did the legislators in Michigan and Pennsylvania, who you may remember Donald Trump met with during that period of time. And everybody was like, all of us were howling because obviously it was so inappropriate. He was trying to convince them to demand that the elector, that a different electoral slate be put forward. And they didn't, you know, um, Held these board of uh, elections folks in uh, Maricopa County, four or five of whom are Republicans, who stood up and literally, in the most scathing language, said, "This needs to stop, and this is this is a destruction of democracy." And you know all the other things they said. I mean, there have been people who you know, and a number of Republican judges, some of whom were appointed by Trump himself. So I don't want to act like there aren't any, you know, there isn't any chance. I'm just there. There is. I'm just trying to make the point, and I think all of us are, is that like they failed because of a bunch of these reasons the last time, and now they're trying to fix all of them. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's good and bad sides to any strategy that depends on looking at the last election and trying to just sort of rehash it. Right. Um, it could work. Um, but you know, they're not, they're so backwards focused that they're not anticipating the future. So I don't know what that means, but I would ask, people in the audience to think very creatively around that because there was definitely creative approaches to stopping Trump's coup in 2020 that worked. And it just is, I think sometimes a matter of watching, anticipating and, and being opportunistic. Yeah. Oh, well, do we want to move on to talking about, let's talk about the Supreme court overturning Roe v. Wade, something happier. <laughs> yes, much better. Uplifting stuff. Speaking, speaking of something that is possibly only because of, again, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? <sighs> Shall we start with Justice Breyer since you just yes. kind of brought up that topic? So yes. the, the issue here, folks, and it's funny because I said this when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and oh, the gnashing of teeth because I had said this, but she was an idiot for not stepping down during Obama. And I'm sorry, wonderful human being. She was an idiot for that last incredible, Yeah, I'm so with you. Incredible was just, accomplishments in her life. And then, you know, I don't know why she did it, but whatever. Um, and now Breyer is doing the same thing. So Breyer, Supreme Court Justice, I think he's 81 or I think he's 82 actually right now. One of the remaining three liberal justices, right? We're already six to three, which is horrific against us on the court. And People have been publicly pushing for Breyer to, you know, step down, let Biden replace him because the nomination goes to the Senate and it's the Senate that decides, right, whether he gets the new justice gets confirmed. Well, what happened with Merrick Garland? Mitch McConnell controlled the Senate and he said, we're just not going to hold a vote. Boom, it's done. So, again, if we lose that one seat in the Senate, we're gone. 
You've been listening to a free excerpt of the Unprecedented Podcast. To hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media, please go to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode.